Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. And welcome back to the show. We have been packed with thinkers and doers and policymakers and influencers. If you miss part of the show today, we will have the podcast from Senator Blumenthal on later. We'll do the podcast from Andrew Goldberg on later. We have the expertise of Dr. Graham Sellers on, and we will be able to publish that later in the day as well. Again, a shout out to my mom who was listening in Boca Raton Hospital with my sister, Jilly, and I will be over there soon, mommy, I promise. 203-333-9422. I read what I thought was a rather brilliant op-ed by our next guest, David French, who's a relatively new op-ed opinion writer for the New York Times. I think he started about a year ago. And he has a fascinating background himself. He's a brilliant constitutional lawyer. He took off time to be in our U.S. military, including basic training. Uh, he cares deeply, deeply about what it means to have free speech in this country. He thinks to some extent we're getting it wrong in piling on, but that we've been getting it wrong for a very long time on our college campuses, and this is a time of reckoning. I have been saying this for quite some time. I agree it is a time of reckoning. David French, welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show, and thank you for joining us today. Well, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, I really appreciate it, and I love what you wrote recently because I want to talk a little bit about this. The title of your op-ed dated December 10th was What the University Presidents Got Right and Wrong About Anti-Semitic Speech. So let's have it. What did they get right and wrong? Why is this a time of reckoning? And let's talk about the hypocrisy. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So what they got right is when they gave these lawyerly answers in, in response to the question of, is a call for genocide bullying harassment, when they said it depends or context matters, if they are referring to First Amendment standards. Now, they're, they're private college presidents, so they don't have to comply with the First Amendment, but a lot of private colleges try to. If they are referring to First Amendment standards, they're, they're right. The First Amendment covers a lot of really terrible speech, including speech calling for violence as long as it's not imminent. In other words, as long as you're not urging imminent lawless action. 
It protects even a call for violence. And there's Supreme Court cases after Supreme Court case that have said that. And so they were correct when they said sometimes it can be free speech and sometimes it can be harassment that's unlawful. There's not one big rule regarding even calls for genocide. But the problem was that that very lawyerly free speech answer was coming from presidents of institutions that had terrible records on free speech. Terrible. So just terrible. So Harvard is the last ranked school in the country according to the Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression on Free Speech. Penn, which was also at the hearing, was second to last, and MIT was, you know, ranked in the hundreds. So at the very best, they were mediocre, and at the very worst, they were the absolute worst for schools for free speech. And so what that means is, essentially, if you knew the history of these schools, they were telling these senators that Jewish students should have to endure all of the pain of free speech, But if you looked at the last 15, 20 years of their history, they had protected many other groups from free speech. And they had canceled speakers. They had engaged in acts of censorship. The community itself felt censored. And so it was a very – it was a hypocritical moment to suddenly discover when Jewish students are facing anti-Semitism their respect for free speech when in really decades before they had just a terrible record of – Uh, suppressing free speech to protect groups that were more favored on campus. So, David French, I want to get into this a little bit because I think that the, what you talk about censorship is we are seeing the effects in polling of our young people. That is, honestly, it's traumatizing to me where the majority of young people in America are now... uh, these trigger warnings, they're basically saying that they don't believe in free speech. They don't understand it. They think that any speech that they disagree with should be able to be uh, not said. Um, Yeah. We're in in a terrible time. Those 15, 20 years of favoring some speech over others have resulted in an entire generation of Americans not understanding the First Amendment. Right. You're exactly right. So what has happened in that 15, 20 years Uh, is that we have taught students that when they are upset by something, that they need to appeal to an authority to try to silence the person that's upsetting them. And so we've we've trained our students to do that. And and I'll tell you, it even goes back to before college. There has been a change in the way we raise kids, a change in the way we educate kids to where kids are less independent earlier in life. And so they're less they, they learn – they don't learn to work things out amongst themselves so much as they learn to appeal to a parent or a coach or a teacher to try to fix you know, disputes, to try to adjudicate disputes. And that carries over into college where students then expect an administrator or a teacher to make them feel better in the face of speech that can be painful or hard to hear when the reality is – the Supreme Court said this very well – in a previous era when when parents were trying to ban books from libraries and during the height of the Cold War. And the Supreme Court said something very interesting. It said one of the purposes of education is to prepare students to live in this pluralistic, often contentious society. And so we're, we're trying to prepare students to live with pluralism, but instead, that's what we should be doing, but instead what we often do is try to um, – address students' concerns and subjective feelings of harm more than we teach them to respond to speech they dislike with courageous speech of their own. 
That's really interesting. Um, you know, I just spent a half an hour speaking with a man, uh, Andrew Goldberg, who wrote a piece in Newsweek about how his son was uh, bullied and bullied and bullied and bullied in an anti-Semitic way with take a shower, yeah. Auschwitz shower, camp this, camp that, to the point where the child found it intolerable and the yeah. family was fed up that the leadership response was not handling this in an appropriate way. And the way that they handled this, according to Mr. Goldberg, was that the children needed to be separated from each other. And in mm-hmm. the end, that wasn't uh, that wasn't a solution that made anybody feel good, particularly their son who just felt like as the so-called victim of this, he was being further victimized, and right. ultimately he just refused to go to school. Um, yeah. Now, there's we, a difference between free speech and actual harassment. So, sure. for example, yeah. if you are personally targeted – uh, and a good way to think of the difference is um, as a prof- law professor who's one of the best in America in understanding the First Amendment is free speech is one to many. In other words, you're speaking to large groups or you're, say, posting on social media. Harassment often comes up when you it's many to one or one to one. In other mm. words, where, where you are isolating and attacking a single student. And if it is severe or pervasive or severe and pervasive enough to deny them the ability to receive the benefit of the educational program, then that's harassment. And the solution to harassment isn't to separate students because that does, in fact, stigmatize the student who's separated. It's to actually discipline the students who commit the acts of harassment. And so that's one of the difficulties we see is a lot of people don't know the difference between free speech which can be inflaming and angry and inflammatory and actual harassment, which tends to be very targeted mm. towards individual students. And that that's a good a good way to sort of shorthand distinction. Is this my me broadcasting my views widely and people are just mad at my views widely? That's almost always protected speech. Or if it's I'm targeting a student, well, you know, name Andrew and we're just targeting Andrew every day. That is much more likely to be harassment. We're chatting with David French. David, do you believe in trigger warnings and all of this stuff that has been, you know, <laughs> where we, we need to label kids in 10th and 11th and 7th grade? Uh-oh, you may be reading something that might bother you? No, no, no. Um, you know, I, I, I'm fine with things like movie ratings where, mm-hmm. you know, you might yeah. have parents who, who – need to have guidance as to what kind of content, but trigger warnings, things like that. Again, what they do is they treat people as more fragile than they really are. And we sort of tend to, what the message that we give and the message that we send to quote what the co-founder of fire, Alan Charles Coors is that people are too weak to live with freedom. And we know the opposite is the case. We know that in fact, people thrive the people are more likely to thrive when they're free than be, you know, than see freedom as a threat. And so it's very, again, I go back to this sort of principle articulated by the Supreme court, do trigger warnings, do sort of lists of microaggressions, do those things prepare you to live in a pluralistic and often contentious country? No. Or do they, or what do they do? They tell you to shrink away mm-hmm. from pluralism. And yep. that's exactly the opposite message we should be sending. And I think that we see that. I think that in the real life, in workplaces, not merely on college campuses, people are afraid to speak. They're afraid to speak. 
Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this Allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Yes, and they tell, and they're jumping up and down and telling pollsters all the time, I am afraid to speak. I'm afraid to speak. And there was a a poll just released by um, uh, I, for, I forget who released it, but it was that the number of students, almost 10 percent of students report either being punished or threatened with punishment over their speech. And some people are sort of glasses half full. Well, 90 percent haven't been punished or threatened with punishment. But one out of 10 students facing punishments or threats of punishment for their speech that's serious. That's a real problem. And so we, we absolutely have to shift the paradigm of campus to, no, we're not going to protect you from your student, fellow student speech. One of the reasons you're here is to learn to engage that's right. with your fellow student speech. That's right. And that's where the whole anti-Semitic thing is. So from my point of view, if you want to shout from the rooftops your pro-Palestinian views and do nothing else, you don't rip a flag, you don't, yeah. you don't corral Jewish students into a building and not let them get out. Right. You don't stand in the MIT building where the administrators are and prevent classes from happening. You don't right. do any of the other stuff that we have seen, by the way, David. Yeah. We have seen yeah. yes. since uh, October 7th, which has gone beyond speech. If you want to shout from the rooftops, whatever you want to shout, that's exactly what you get to do. You get to shout it. And I get to walk past you feeling free and comfortable in my belief. You don't yes. get to harass me. You don't get to intimidate me. You don't get to stop me from doing my thing, right? Your yes. right to speech yes. stops at my whatever. But I, I really – when you, said, you wrote this, you wrote, the result has been a network of speech codes, bias response teams, safe spaces, and glossaries of microaggressions that are all designed to protect students from alleged emotional harm, but not all students. When, Correct. as a student at Harvard Law School – I was booed and hissed and told to go die for articulating pro-life or other conservative views. Exactly zero administrators cared about my feelings, nor did it (laughs) cross my mind to ask them for help. I was an adult. There it is. Yes. Yes. And, you know, I end the piece with this really powerful moment that occurred in Colombia, where there's pro-Palestinian protesters are saying awful things. They're calling, you know, using a phrase like Zionist dogs, just saying awful things. And this student confronts them and with a trembling voice, because it was hard. She was a minority in the room. Most people were against her. But with a trembling voice, she articulates 
how she hears those words and what those words really mean. And that's a powerful, teachable moment about how to respond to vile speech, respond with courage and with truth. And here's what a lot of people forget and and don't realize, and that is if you actually take action against people on the basis of their speech, when you hate their speech, you turn them into free speech martyrs. You actually kind of flip the dynamics and you end up actually in many ways helping them because you change the dynamics from the point of view publicly that they're cruel people saying cruel things and they should be um, opposed and turn it into, well, sure, they may have said cruel things, but they didn't, they were as protected by the Constitution and we need to rally to their defense. And so what often ends up happening is censors create free speech martyrs and that actually amplifies the message of the free speech martyr and increases sympathy Mm. for the free speech martyr. And it's a very short-sighted thing to do. There's even a a name for this. It's called the Streisand effect. What do you mean? What do you mean? mean? There's a a famous incident years ago where a very obscure blogger um, took a picture of Streisand's home and Streisand uh, tried to have it removed from the internet. And when she tried to have it removed from the internet, all that did was make the picture far more famous. Mm. And so instead of 300 people seeing the picture, you know, it was in the hundreds of thousands. I mean, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was orders of magnitude. Greater people saw the picture after she went after this guy and created a free speech martyr. And so that's called a Streisand effect. And the practical reality is, Often you're going to actually magnify the speech you hate if you try to censor it. But if you just address it and if you rebut it, often what gets magnified is your own rebuttal and your own courage. Just like that young woman in Colombia, she, her statement in opposition to some hateful things from protesters went extremely viral. Why? Because she showed courage, because she spoke truth. Um, and she confronted hate with something. She confronted hate with truth, and she had confronted hate with compassion. And that's what went viral. And so, uh, it, but if, they, if those protesters had been censored, if campus officials had come in and shut them down, what would have been the takeaway from that incident? That the people who had engaged in some of the worst speech need to be, you know, that, that they were the real victims, that they were the victims. And that's not the dynamic we want. I hear you. Do you think that this is a time of reckoning? Do you think our elite institutions are hearing this complex, nuanced message about the First Amendment? Because I can tell you that, and I'm a judge and I'm a lawyer like you, that um, I felt that they were tone deaf, all three of them. I felt that their coaching was so obvious that they were answering things as if they were briefing the Supreme Court and missed yeah. missed their role as leaders of, you know, institutions of higher learning. They completely missed yes. it. Um, yes. and, and I wouldn't have been sorry to see all three of them have to go for that very reason that showed such a complete tone-deaf lack of leadership. But in the yes. end, only one was the sacrificial lamb so far. Although Claudine Gay has been accused of plagiarism quite uh, strongly, and we'll see if she yes. ends up surviving. But in any event, but do you think that you think that there's any learning going on on college campuses about the old ACLU adage of you know I may hate <laughs> what you say, but I'll defend with my life my right to say it? Do you think anybody says that anymore or believes that? 
Well, I do think we're seeing a greater awareness of the need for that standard. And, and I think the reason why is that this fight on campus right now isn't breaking down on right-left lines the way a lot of other fights do. So, you know, a lot of campuses that are far more progressive, if they take action against conservative speech and then conservatives come after them, then they can kind of retreat behind the red-blue divide and say, look at what the right is trying to do to us. And a lot of people who don't follow it closely or whatever will kind of be instinctively drawn to their ideological allies. But here what you have, this is not right versus left. I mean, these are, there are a lot of Jewish progressives, for example, who are just facing terrible harassment on campus. And, mm-hmm. and so this is not something that's breaking down on those ideological lines. And from that standpoint, it makes it a lot harder for the schools to deal with. And so I do think there is more hope. I'm not going to say a lot of hope, but I'm going to say there's more hope than I've seen in a long time that people on a bipartisan basis are waking up to the reality that there needs to be a rethink of how we approach speech on college campus. Yeah, I think we do. I think we need to approach free speech. I think we need to reapproach diversity, equity, and inclusion with oppressor mm-hmm. versus oppressed. And you know what, David French, we don't have time to talk about all of it today, but I would love you to come back on the show because I'm, I, I think you're writing great pieces for the New York Times. I'm still a print subscriber as well as an oh, online wonderful. subscriber. And um, I look forward to continuing to read what you have to say. Well, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure joining you. A pleasure for me, too. David French from the New York Times on the Lisa Wexler Show. We'll be right back. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.